That's right. It's Monday night. Sports on the Hill podcast, True Radio Network, CP3 coming to you live from the lab. As you see, we already got Brian B in the room, B, already sitting, chilling, waiting for this great episode. We got some Nats talk. Uh, Not too much of a positive note with the Nats. They kind of went into the All-Star break. Not looking really good. They have a lot of injuries. And some uh, sweeps by some NL West teams that we're going to break down. And we're also going to recap the Stanley Cup Finals. Just give a quick recap of the results. And we also have the great NBA Finals coverage from the NBA Roundtable, as always. Because you know they bring you the best coverage around. Because I learn something every time I listen to these guys. Uh, Brian, how you doing tonight, good sir? I'm doing great, Carol. Thanks for having me on. I uh, just finished a great day of work, and uh, excited to do the show with you tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. It was a hot one out there. I'm a little tired. That's why I already got my yeah. my cold adult beverage already cracked in front of me. So, you know, got to rehydrate. You know, some people say use water. I'd rather use beer. Uh, <laughs> nice, man. Hey, Arun, how you doing tonight, man? Um, a little tired, but otherwise good. The Nats have been playing pretty late this weekend, and I've also been watching a lot of soccer, but overall, can't complain that there's actually a busy sports mode. Yeah, I was up watching some of those games, too. I was getting uh, disappointed at the outcomes of some of those West Coast games because you stay up late to try to catch them, and then to get some of the results that you get, you know, it kind of sucks. But like I said, Nats, they uh, definitely had some injury issues going on, and uh, hopefully they can get healthy after the break and, you know, make a couple of moves at the trade deadline that are needed and a couple of moves that need to be made on the roster. I guess I'll go ahead and start off Nats talk with that. Uh, if you recall in the 2019 season, we had a pitcher named uh, Trevor Rosenthal that uh, we said over and over again that he shouldn't be on the team. And I finally put a tweet out that said the experiment needs to end. And ironically, the next day they ended up <laughs> cutting so I say that to say this. The John Lester experiment needs to be done. He's too inconsistent, and when he's bad, he's really bad. He's not lasting over three innings and giving up an average of six to seven runs in his short appearances. When he had the three victories he has, yes, he's looked good, but the seven losses look even worse. Brian, I'll go to you first. We talked a little bit about it offline. How do you feel about John Lester? Why do you think this team picked him up? Because I didn't understand the move either. And do you think it's time to put him to the wayside because he's doing more harm than good to this team? Well, when the Nationals signed John Lester at the start of the season, I thought it was a really good move, honestly, because he's you know been in the postseason many times. He's won three World Series rings. Uh, he's been a great pitcher throughout his whole career. So I thought it was a good signing to add to, you know, you already added to the rotation that has Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin all healthy at the time, of course. Um, so I thought it was a good move. Of course, it hasn't quite panned out that way. John Lester has really been bad, and it almost feels like every start he gets even worse, which is it seems hard to believe. 
Um, I don't know if they're going to outright cut John Lester. I, I feel maybe he's a trade piece because, you know, he does have a lot of postseason experience. So that could go for a team that needs a postseason arm like that. But I agree with you, Carol. He's been bad. Um, and it's, there's no sugarcoating it. I mean, he's just really not lived up to his contract so far. They need him. You know, with the injury to Strasburg, they kind of needed him to have a big season. And he has not delivered at all. Not at all. Varun, what are your thoughts on the John Lester situation? Yeah, he's only getting paid $5 million and he's not even playing worth that much money. Like, so, um, he, as since his last win, he hasn't made it past the fourth inning in his past four to five starts. And his ERA is right now 5.57. That's not going to get it done. And I don't know, trade him or maybe even cut him, given how money he's making might be the answer unless you want to see if he can salvage it going forward. Yeah, maybe they can package him in a trade with someone that's, you know, desperate for maybe his old form and think that he can, you know, round back in the old form. Because to me, uh, yeah, I'm not impressed with, uh, you know, anything he's really done. Three wins, you know, he gave, you know, seven innings, eight, you know, and seven and a third minimal runs but when he's bad he's yeah it's just bad and only flaw i have with davy sometimes is that he sticks with the pitchers a little bit too long he has faith in him which is cool but sometimes you gotta say hey this guy you know i need to get him out the momentum of the game is changing and things are starting to go the other team's way he's not throwing strikes let's get him out the game and giving up home runs it's a bad combination but uh that's definitely I think something that needs to be addressed uh, after the All-Star break, either put him in a bullpen and, or, or something. But him as a starter, I think, should be done and over with. Uh, I guess we'll touch a little bit on the injury situation, you know, going into the All-Star break. Uh, you know, Kyle Schwarber, he's out with the hamstring. Strasburg is still on the IL uh, for, I believe, a neck issue. Jan Gomes, he just went out uh, on this uh, recent road trip with an oblique injury. Uh Trying to think who else. <laughs> I forgot to write it down. It was so many. Uh, but with this team being 42 and 47, five games under 500 at uh, the All Star break, even with the injuries, they went on a, you know, they got hot for a little while and then they cooled off on this recent uh, two week stretch we're about to go through. But uh, I guess, Arun, I actually, is this where you saw this team at around All Star breaking? They're fourth in the division right now behind the Mets. Uh, with the Phillies and the Braves. And I mentioned last night on the show that uh, Acuna Jr. for the Braves, uh, apparently uh, it was ACL and he's done for the season. So he's definitely going to hurt the Braves in any aspects. But uh, I guess I have your opinion about that too. So did you see the Nats in this position right here and think they can get a push together to, you know, make a run in the second half of the season? And uh, what do you think about the injury to Acuna Jr.? Ruben and Brian, I actually the same thing. Um, yeah. The, I, just like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Nats in second place and the last time we were on the show, and now to see them go all the way down to fourth is unfortunate. But it's still, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. Um, this road trip was not too tight. They can still make a run in the playoffs. And as for Acuna Jr., that's a tough loss. Um, but I believe the Braves are pretty deep, so... It should, I mean, the Braves, they could probably 
also played pretty well. They without him, but it's a tough loss for Atlanta. Definitely. Brian, what do you think about the Nets and where they are right now and the uh, uh, injury to Acuna Jr. for the Braves and uh, them trying to get their act together? Are they going to be able to, you know, put something together losing that big piece of their offense and defense? Yeah, um, I, I thought the Nets were looking good before they went on this stretch of games against NL West teams, playing the Dodgers and the Padres and then the Giants, and then they're actually going to play the Padres again after the All-Star break. So it's a big stretch against teams from arguably the best division, the three best teams from arguably the best division right now in all of baseball. And it's really killed them. It's, it's been difficult to see, honestly. That it's been difficult to watch them struggle. Uh, I do agree with the rune that if they get a lot of guys back from injury, like if they get Schwarber back, if they get Strasburg back, that would be huge. And I think they can. With the second wild card, you're never really out of it. I think they can go on a second half run. They're going to have to dig deep. This is not how you want to end the first half of the season at all if you're the Nats, um, especially with all these injuries. It just sucks. Um, we'll see if they can get it together in the second half. Um, as far as Acuna goes, I was devastated when I saw the news that he got hurt yesterday. Um, he is one of the bright young faces in this game. Uh, he is a not. He is a star. He's an incredible player. He can do it all on the field. And to see him suffer that kind of injury is devastating, not just to the Braves, but really, I think, to the game of baseball as a whole because he's such a great player. I disagree with the rune. I think the Braves are going to have trouble uh, – recovering from this Acuna injury he's he's by I mean Freeman's a good player but Acuna is their best all-around player for sure and to lose that to already be and you know a, a, a division that's not easy you know none of the teams are great in the NL East but it's a tough division to manage so to beat down Acuna is going to hurt I don't know I think Atlanta could struggle but uh, I was absolutely devastated to see the news about Acuna and I hope he gets well soon yeah I, I respect him but, uh, you know, with him being a Brave, you know, I'm not a fan of his. And, uh, of course. <laughs> right now, Juan Soto just stepped into the batter's box for his uh, home run derby. I'm not really a fan of him, me and Brian Spoto, I'm not really a fan of him being in the home run derby because you know how sometimes it can screw up a hitter's swing going into the second half and the fact that, you know, he was uh, – on IL earlier in the season and really hasn't gotten in his consistent stride yet. I'm not really a fan of him being in this competition because it might adversely affect him in the second half. Uh, Rune, what do you think about that? Do you think I'm just overthinking it and just let the young young man have some fun? Or do you uh, agree with some of the things that I was saying about, you know, him getting his stroke back and, you know, getting to the hitter that we saw in 2019 and 2020 when he went to the uh, batting championship? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I remember some time ago, Cal Ripken Jr., he was in the home run curve, but he wanted to screw up his swing, so there could be something to that. But Soto, I'm not really that worried about him. And he's probably just trying to earn the big payday like Bryce Harper did by winning the home run derby a couple years ago. So I think he's wants to get this win for to make more cash in for himself. Yeah, he uh taking a break. He has nine home runs now with a minute forty two left. He was starting to, you know, get into a groove a little bit. Uh Brian, what do you say about uh with Juan Soto and uh it might throw off his swing and he we haven't seen him get into the form that we're used to seeing and this might adversely affect him going into the second half. 
I, I think it, it comes – it's tough to tell with the home run derby, honestly, because we've had a few guys who have, you know, had incredible home run derby performances. Bobby Abreu was a good example of that. He was incredible in the home run derby, and then he only hit, like, three in the entire second half. And then we've got guys like when Judge won the home run derby, he was fine in the second half for the most part. He still ended the season with 52 home runs. So, um I, I don't know. It's hit or miss with the home run derby. I'm excited to see Soto in it personally. Uh, I'm excited. I'm glad. This is a hell of a matchup, by the way. Soto versus Otani. I mean, damn. Like, that is a great match. That's probably the matchup of the night. Um, I'm excited. So, uh, from that perspective, I am excited that Soto's doing it. I, I, th- I, you might be overthinking it a little bit, honestly, Carol. I, I, I think he'll be all right for the most part. Um, we'll, we'll see, though. We'll see. I I hope I'm overthinking it because yeah we definitely need this young man to get back into the you know the swing of things he's been getting his walks and you know he has a great on base percentage but you know we're used to seeing him you know getting those RBI doubles and hitting them home runs in crucial situations so I guess you know that's what I'm looking forward to especially with this last stretch with this uh, team not being able to score and against some of the tough tough competition in the NL West and the NL period. But let's go ahead and uh, recap the week before since we weren't on air for the holiday. I'm going to just run through these real quick, and then we'll break down more of last week's uh, 2-5 and five week. Uh, the week before, they went 3-4. and four. They had a game against the Mets, a uh, two-game series against the Rays, and had a four-game series against the Dodgers. Uh, the week started out very well with a 8-4 win over the Mets. Uh, Paolo Espino earned his second victory, puts him at two and two. He went five innings, getting five hits, no one runs with three strikeouts. Uh, the losing pitcher was Jared Eikhoff, that dropped him to one, uh, 0 and 1. He went six innings, giving up eight hits, five earned runs with three strikeouts and no walks. Brad Hand earned his 17th save of the season, uh, going in and in two thirds, giving no hits, no runs with two strikeouts. Uh, Swaller went three for five with two solo home runs. Trey went two for five with a solo home run. And uh, Zim had a pinch hit, three-run home run to seal the deal after a late push by the Mets to try to win the game late. But Zimmerman uh, came in with classic fashion with a three-run home run. Uh, then they had a two-game series against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they won the first game four to three. Uh, Joe Ross earned his fifth victory of the season. I put him at five and seven. He went six in the third, giving up six hits, two earned runs with seven strikeouts and two walks. Uh, Rich Hill took the loss. That dropped him to six and three. He went uh, six innings, giving up five hits, four earned runs with two strikeouts and one walk. Brad Hand earned his 18th save of the season, going one inning, giving up one hit, one run with no strikeouts or walks. Uh, Schwarber went one for four with a solo home run. Soto went one for four with a two-run home run. And Robles went one for three with a solo home run. And in the second game of that series, the Mets put it on them, beating them 15 to six. John Lester earned the victory. I put him at two and three at the time. He went five innings, giving up seven hits, five earned runs, three strikeouts, and two walks. Uh, Ryan Sheriff took the loss that dropped him to 0 one. He went a third of inning, giving up three hits, four runs with no strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Josh Bell went two for three with a two-run RBI single and a RBI an RBI double. I'm sorry. Uh, Soto went three for five with two RBI uh, two RBI singles and Trey 
went four for four, had a solo home run, and hit for hit the, for the cycle, cycle for the third time in his career, tying an MLB record on his birthday. The first player to ever do that in MLB history. So I've talked many times about how much I love Trey Turner, and I'm glad that we uh, got him back after they traded him away the first time. And I'm, I love this kid being on the team, and I hope they lock him up to an extension very soon. Uh, guess we'll break down the first three games before we get into the rest of the week because these are the bright spots of the week. Uh, Brian, what, what was your take on uh, the game against the Mets and the two game series against the Rays? I know you uh, enjoyed us beating on, beating up on your AL East foes. Yeah, I enjoy you beating the Mets and I enjoy you beating the Rays. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the Rays are having another pretty good season. Um, I think they're in second place right now to the Red Sox in their division. Uh, but they've struggled a little bit lately, uh, so it's good to get those two wins. The Mets game was a makeup game from a previously rained out game. Obviously, you want to win any, any divisional game possible. Um, and, yeah, uh, really a great performance in both the Rays games. Uh, I saw both of those great performances, especially in the, the second game with Trey Turner hitting for the cycle. Uh, probably the best performance of his career on his birthday, no less. We really thought that would give a lot of momentum going into this Dodgers series uh, that ended up not being the case necessarily, um, but still three good wins. And it, it just feels like they haven't been right since then, honestly. Uh, amen, brother. Uh, Room, what was your uh, take on that three games, uh, the win against the Mets and the two-game sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays? Yeah, Schwarber hit home runs in the, in the Mets game and um, one of the Rays game. And then they top it off, they had 15 runs in that other game you just mentioned. And Turner hitting the cycle was incredible. Also stole two bases. And going into that Dodgers series, they were 14 and 3 since June 3rd. Um, the Dodgers came into that series winning high straight games and they continued that winning. The Dodgers continued that winning streak and they swept the Nets. And that was unfortunate. And it's leading up to this mainly kind of bad time for the Nets since they've been playing the NL West. Yeah, we uh, talked about the tough stretch that they had coming up with some of the better competition in the league, and they would uh, definitely have to put their best foot forward. So that was before more injuries hit the team. So, yeah, that uh, four-game series against the Dodgers, I was feeling you know, optimistic that hopefully they could at least get a split. But unfortunately, they got swept by the world champion Dodgers. It was, it was ugly. Um, I'm run through these very quickly because, like I said, it was painful to stay up late watch these games end up the way they did. Uh, first game was a six-to-two loss. Uh, Tony Gonsolin. Gonsolin, yeah. Yeah, okay, I got it right. Cool, cool. Hey, thanks, Brian. Nailed it. Nailed well, it. Hey, thanks. I've been, I've been practicing, man. I've been practicing. <laughs> uh, he uh, one and zero. He went three innings, giving up two hits, one earned run with four strikeouts and three walks. Patrick Corbin uh, took the loss that dropped him to five and seven. He went four and two thirds, giving up eight hits, six runs, five of those earned with two strikeouts and one walk. Soto went one for three with RBI single, and Castro went one for two with the RBI single also. Second game of the series was a 10 5 loss where uh, Julio Arreyes, who uh, improved to 10 and three, was dominant over the Nats while he was in the game. He went six innings, giving up three hits. Three runs, one of those earned uh, two strike, uh, three strikeouts and three walks. And Sam Clay took the loss for the Nets. 
that dropped him to Owen two. Uh, he went a third of an inning, giving up two hits, three earned runs, with no strikeouts or walks. Uh, nothing. The thing I'll just talk about this game is the out of the five runs, four of the runs was on errors by the Dodgers. And that just tells you how bad the Nats were playing in this series. That the only way we're getting runs actually was by the other team making mistakes. It, it was ugly series to watch. Uh, third game in the series was a five to three loss. Try to. No, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this because I can't even read my hand right now. Uh, <laughs> the winning pitcher for the Dodgers went one inning, giving up no hits, no runs, with two strikeouts. And no, I'm not even going to try it, Brian. I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, the losing pitcher was Wilder Swirl that dropped him to 0 and 2. He went an inning in the third, giving up one hit, one uh, run that wasn't earned with two strikeouts and a walk, and no walks. I'm sorry. And uh, Kinsley Jensen earned the. Save that's his 21st. He went an inning, giving up one hit, no one runs with two strikeouts in the walk. Uh, Jan Gomes went one for two with a three run home run that tied the game up, but unfortunately, the Nats couldn't get any more offense than the Dodgers were able to. And the last game of the series where the Nats were trying to at least salvage one victory, they weren't able to do that. They lost the game five and one. David Price improved the four and oh. Uh, he went two innings, giving up two hits, no one runs with three strikeouts and one walk. Joe Ross took the loss, which dropped him to five and eight. He went six and two thirds, giving up seven hits, three earned runs with eleven strikeouts and no walks. He had a, definitely a a better outing than he's had before, but unfortunately, he couldn't get the victory. Uh, Castro went two for four with the RBI single. Uh, he's been actually, you know, hitting pretty well. I believe he has a. Uh, 14-game hitting streak now going into this second week. Uh, quick synopsis on this Dodgers series. You know, got to talk about it. You know, the world champs. Like I said, I was hoping they would get at least uh, split, but they ended up getting swept. Uh, Brian, what did you take away from this series? Do you think this is uh, saying how bad the Nats are or how good the Dodgers are? It's kind of tough to tell because the Nats came into this series red hot, and obviously the Dodgers are a really good team. They're defending World Series champions. They had won five games in a row going into this series. They're a damn good team. And um, the first two games of this series, you know, just one bad inning, really. They gave up five runs in the fifth inning of the first game. And then it got – the rain came and it got suspended and they called it. Uh, so then in the second game, they gave up nine runs in, I believe, the seventh inning of that game. And just a, two bad innings just absolutely doomed them those first two games. Uh, the third game, I actually went to that game. And, um, again, they gave up three runs to the Dodgers early, and then Gomes hits the home run to tie it. And you think, okay, they're going to win this one now. But then, again, you know, some, some bad defense. The bullpen kind of struggles a bit, and they end up losing a fairly close game, 5-3. to three. Um, And then just the Sunday game, you know, Ross couldn't really get it together. I, I don't know. This, this is a tough series to tell. The Dodgers are a really good team. The Nats had come into it playing some good ball. It's it's tough to say, but um, it was obviously you want to win one game on Fourth of July weekend at home against the Dodgers. You want to win at least one game. I, that's definitely a demoralizing series for the Nationals for sure. I agree. I agree. I was watching on the fourth, and I was yeah, highly disappointed. And yeah. Then, uh, same question to you: Is this a, a show of how good the Dodgers are, or how bad the Nats are? Um, it's. 80% how good the Dodgers are and 20% the Nats were struggling. Also, Schwarber went down in the second game. 
of the series. Um, as Brian mentioned, through, like the last three games of the series, it was pretty close in the later innings, and then um, the Dodgers pulled away. And you know things are not going your way when Albert Pujols, 41-year-old, just cut out by the Angels, gets the go-ahead base hit in the seventh inning of the, the last game of the series. But I think losing Schwarber, the Nets aren't the same team without him, so that's probably the bigger uh, note. Maybe they had him, maybe they win one of those games. And also, um, in one of the games, there was a rain delay after Gomes hit the three-run homer. Perhaps that slowed down the momentum that the Nats had going, as Brian mentioned. So um, that's just the way it rolls. The Dodgers are really good, but the Nats have to play better to at least win one game. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, it was a ugly series. Like I said, I saw some Dodger fans, you know, after they had swept the Rays, and you know, I posted a video of the game with Trey getting his uh his uh cycle, and a couple of fans were talking trash, like, yeah, that's not gonna happen against the Dodgers. I didn't jump out there and say nothing because I saw how good the Dodgers were playing, but kind of glad I didn't because they uh, Dodgers pretty much. <laughs> dominated that series even though like you said Brian it was just you know bad in here bad in there but you can't have those bad innings against the world champions because you're going to pay for it and they definitely made them pay for it all right now going into last week you know after that uh three and four week getting swept by the Dodgers at home the Nats went on the road they had a four game series versus the Padres and had a three game series versus San Francisco NL West teams, you know, top of the division. And that's why it's going to be so crucial for the Nats to win the division because it looks like there's going to be three teams coming out of the West and there isn't going to be a wild card for anybody else. So if you don't win the division, you're not making a playoff. So Nats definitely got to get it in gear in the second half of the season. Uh, the four-game series with the Padres started out, you know, pretty good with a 7-5 victory by the Nats. Uh, Suero earned the victory. That put him at one and two. He went an inning, giving up no hits, no runs with two strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Tim Hill took the loss for the Padres. That dropped him to five and four. He went an inning, giving up one hit, one earned run with a strikeout and no walks. Brad Hand earned the night, his 19th uh, save. He went an inning, giving up no hits, uh, no earned runs with a strikeout and no walks. Trey went two for four with a solo home run. Josh Bell went three for five with a solo home run and a two-run RBI single. And Escobar, who took over for Schwarber uh, at the leadoff spot, went three for four with a RBI double and a sacrifice bunt uh, to help get the Nets that victory. The second game of the series was a seven to four loss. Uh, Ryan Weathers earned a victory. He that put him at four and two. He went uh, five and a third, giving up seven hits, four runs with two strikeouts and no walks. Eric Fetty took the loss. That uh, He went four and a third, giving up eight hits, six runs with two strikeouts and no walks. And Melanson earned the save for his 26th. He went an inning, giving up no hits, no runs with no strikeouts or walks. Josh Harrison went one for three with three-run home run, and Soto went two for four with a solo home run. And I believe that uh, Soto and Otani have tied with 22 home runs, and they're going to sudden death, I believe. Is that where it's a swing-off, I think. Swing yeah, off. it's a swing-off. All right, I'm just going to check this out. 
I haven't seen this before, so I'm anxious to see how this goes. Uh, it says three minute time at bats, first two rounds, single elimination back with most home runs and rounds to the next rounds. Two minutes in the final round with 45 second timeout. All batters awarded 30 seconds at the end of the round. Award additional 30 seconds if they hit a home run 475 or further. And one minute at bats, no clock stoppage. You still tied. Swing off with three swings per bat. All right, we got some excitement in the home run derby with our man Juan Soto with the Nationals. It's living up to the hype. Living up to the hype, this matchup. Yeah, definitely with these two. Because uh, we talked about Otani a couple of weeks ago. You know, I haven't really had a chance to see him. But, you know, he's pitching and hitting in the All-Star game. That's crazy. East. Yeah, that's crazy. And one of my TVs is faster than the other. Because on one TV, I have to, it already started. On my other TV, it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> now you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, Juan is at a one so far with 30 seconds left. So he's at 23. He might have another one. Yeah. Looks like 24. 15 seconds left. 25. 26. Seven seconds left. I'm still three home runs behind. Oh, wow. <laughs> 27, 28. So nice. Six more home runs in that extra bonus minute. Hopefully that's enough to keep the knock Otani out, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Otani's a beast, and he went off in, like, the second half of this, too. So we'll see. I know. That's why that got me anxious. But I hope, I'm hoping six will be enough to push so yeah. to the next round. I'm hoping. All right, let me we'll get see. In, yeah, let me get into the third game of that Padres series before we start up. It was a 15-5 victory for the Nats. Corbin earned the victory going six, puts him at six and seven. He went six innings, giving up seven hits, two earned runs with three strikeouts and two walks. Uh, Chris Panic took the loss that dropped him to four and six. He went two innings, giving up nine hits, nine runs, eight of those earned with two strikeouts and. No walks. Soto went two for three with a three-run home run. Harrison went two for four with the RBI double, uh, RBI single. I'm sorry. And Castro went two for six with the RBI single. And the last game of the series was a unfortunate nine-to-eight loss. That I was very upset about because the Nats had an eight-nothing lead and ended up giving up nine unanswered runs. Uh, Melanson earned the victory. That put him at two and one. He went in and gave up no hits, no runs, with no strikeouts in the walk. Sam Clay took the loss, which dropped him to 0-2. He went two-thirds of inning, gave up two hits, one earned run with no strikeouts and no walks. Trey Turner went three for five with a two-run home run and a solo home run. Josh Bell went one for five with the RBI double, and Josh Harrison went one for four with the RBI single. Uh, yeah, man, Max gave up after the Nats had built up an eight-run lead after three innings. Uh, Mad Max gave up seven runs in the following inning, which allows San Diego to get back into it. And uh, this is what I was talking about, Davey sticking with the pitchers a little bit too long because Max had obviously lost his control in that inning, and I think he stuck with him a little bit too long. And by the time he pulled him out, he had already given up five runs, and then the other two he had, that got inherited ended up scoring also. So, I mean, 
it doesn't happen that much with Max, but you know, sometimes when you can see that something isn't right, you got to get him out of there. So they split the series of the Padres, two games, two wins, two losses. Uh, Rune, what did you take away from this four-game series, and did you uh, agree with my synopsis on that uh, Mad Max uh, debacle giving up seven runs in that game? Yeah, even though the series was a split, it kind of felt like a lot because of that last game where they're up eight nothing, and yeah, Max, they were up eight nothing with the top of the order and thirding with nobody out, and they still score for the rest of the game. Um, yeah, Max didn't seem to have it this game, unfortunately, in the fourth inning. Um, I think even the starting pitching for most of the series, Fetty wasn't that good. Lester wasn't good either, but the Nats were able to overcome that and win 7-5. to five. So that was a good comeback. And then Manny Machado, had, like he had three hits on his birthday, so that pretty much screwed over the Nationals. And yeah, the 9-8 loss for Scherzer. Yeah, they probably could have taken it out early. I kind of agree with that assessment. And, I mean, they probably have to score more than eight, especially given that they had eight after the fourth inning. But it's unfortunate. Definitely, definitely. And it, uh, after the one-minute swing-off between Otani and Soto, they are still tied at 28 home runs apiece. Going into, I guess, sudden death now, where they get three swings and whatever happens, happens. That's crazy, Brian, that they actually hit both hit six. I love it. I love this, man. This is awesome. This is good for the game right here. Oh, man. I know that this is crazy. I was like, somebody's going to come out of the second round on top and they end up tying with 28 again. It's wild. I got Soto on my one TV that's uh, ahead of this one in front of me. First swing, and it's out of here. Good stuff. Nice, nice. That's 29. See the second swing. And he hit it far, too. Didn't like that pitch. And I think he liked that pitch because I think he took that one deep also. Nice. Top deck. <laughs> That's 30. This Does he still have one swing left or yeah, still one more swing left. Yeah, he's nice. taking a couple yeah, he's taking a couple of pitches and uh when he swung, he's connected. Good he's, stuff. He's two for two so far. He's great at pitch selection. He knows a good pitch when he sees it. Yeah. He threw that one off too. He didn't uh, like that pitch. <laughs> Oh man, this is this is classic, Brad. I must say, this is classic. Brad. I love it, man. I knew the home run derby in Colorado was going to be awesome, and it is living up to the hype big time. Uh, third swing. Did he get all of that? He got. It didn't even look like he got all of that. And that was straight center field. So he got thirty one. Yep, three for three. Thirty one. Three swings. Good three stuff. home runs. <laughs> and that last one was far. Nice. Ooh, this is uh yeah, this is actually more exciting than I expected with the home run derby. I'm glad you reminded me to turn it on. <laughs> no problem, no problem. It's awesome. 
Um, I do want to talk about that San Diego series, though, if possible. Oh, yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead and break that down. I want, to, I, do, I want to talk about that last game in particular, the, uh, the game where they had an 8 nothing lead, uh, and Scherzer uh, gave up those runs. Uh, he gave up a grand slam to a relief pitcher named Daniel Camarena, which nobody saw coming at all. I love Scherzer, don't get me wrong, but a relief pitcher hitting a grand slam has only happened twice since 1985. It's crazy to me that that actually happened. Uh, it was I, I thought it was a really cool moment. I'm sorry it happened against the Nats, but it was a really cool moment, I thought, for baseball to have that happen. Um, I can't believe they lost that game. That's definitely the worst Nats loss of the season. You felt good because they, they did, you know, in the two games they won prior to that San Diego, they looked pretty good, especially the game where they scored 15 runs. They had a 9 nothing lead after, like, the second inning. So it was looking good. And that grand slam by Camarena, I feel like, just killed all the momentum the Nats had. And they just have not been right since then. They've lost three. They lost that game. Then they lost three in a row to the Giants. That was a momentum killer right there. I wasn't trying to relive that moment, Brian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's that. baseball history. It I needs know, to be mentioned. Man. When I, I was watching when it happened, and I was disgusted because the, the commentator was saying, well, why don't they use a position player? You know, it's still, you know, you got a chance here to strike, and, you know, you're using your pitcher. You know, the other commentator was like, yeah, there's plenty of time left. You know, he's trying to save some of his bench players for later on. And then the damn relief pitcher hits a grand slam. I was like, that didn't just happen. And it did. I, I was at that point, like you said, the whole momentum swung, and I was like, "This isn't a good sign." And they ended I mean, up losing nine eight. Just like a devastating moment, honestly, for the Nationals. Honestly, to give up that grand slam, just a totally unexpected source. He had just been called up the day before. Like this was his second day in the major leagues, and he hits a grand slam off Max. Freaking Scherzer! I mean, oh my goodness! Uh, it was, it was. Uh, I thought it was awesome. I'm sorry it happened against the Nats. Yeah. If it happened to anybody else, I thought it probably thought it was awesome too. But yeah. coming against yeah. Max in the game where I thought they were about to take a, you know, take three to one instead of splitting two to two, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see the joy in it at all. I still don't <laughs> see the joy in it at all. But you know, it is what it is. Like I said, Max is pitching to start the All Star game tomorrow night. So, or is it? Is it tomorrow or is it Wednesday? It's tomorrow. Oh, it is tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into this unfortunate three-game series against the Giants, which the Nets unfortunately got swept. So against the three top teams in the NL West, they got swept by two of them. That's not too encouraging, but similar things happened in the 19th season in the first half. They got beat pretty bad by the NL West teams, and we saw what they did in the postseason against those Dodgers. So I still take uh, joy in that five-game series with Howie Kendrick and that you know great home run off the fair pole. Some people say foul pole, I say fair. Uh, first game was a five to three loss. Darlin Garcia earned the victory for the Giants. He went one and two. I mean, that put him at one and two. He went in and giving him one hit, no earned runs, with two strikeouts and no walks. Sam Clay took the loss that dropped him to 0-3. He went to in and in third, giving up one hit, one earned run, one strikeout, and no walks. And John McGee, Jake McGee, I'm sorry, earned his 18th save, going one in and giving up one hit, no earned runs, so one strikeout, and one walk. 
uh, Trey Barrera, who was a top prospect, I believe, with the organization who got called up. He went two for three with a two-run RBI triple, and Gerardo Parr went one for three with the RBI double. Uh, the second game of the series with a 10-4 loss, Anthony Descalfani, I don't know why I like saying his name, uh, he earned the victory that put him in 10 and 3. And for some reason, I did not write the stat line down. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, I was a little rushing a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, he went six innings, giving up three hits, no uh, runs, six strikeouts, and one walk. John Lester took the loss. Uh, that put him in 2 and 4. He. Uh, in two and two thirds, giving up nine hits, eight runs. Three of those aren't due to error. Um, one strike out and two walks. Escobar went two for five with the RBI triple in that game, also. Oh, is that right? Okay. And Josh Harrison had a fielder's choice where he uh, got a run in. And at this point, it doesn't really matter. And at this point, it does after this uh, three-game sweep. And the last game of the series was a 3-1 to one loss. Uh, Kevin Gossman earned the victory. That put him at 9-3. and three. He went six innings, giving up four hits, one run, with nine strikeouts and three walks. Uh, Eric Fetty took the loss. That drops him to four and six. He went five innings, giving up eight hits, with three earned runs, seven strikeouts and two walks. And Jake McGee earned his 19th save of the season going one inning giving up one hit no runs with one strikeout and no walks uh josh harrison uh reached on the field of choice to get a run in uh for the nats lone run uh that drops the nats to 42 and 47 fourth in the nl east and not a good way to end the first half of the season uh brian what did you take away from this three game series versus the giants they have one of the best Run differentials in the league. Oh, was it the best of the worst? I can't remember. I was watching it the other day. Uh, but yeah, they had one of the best, but they have so-called old uh, old roster. They don't think they can maintain this through the rest of the season and, uh, you know, continue playing the way they're playing. Uh, you probably watched it closer than I have. So what did you take away from this season? Do you think that the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres can continue doing what they're doing and lock up three spots for the playoffs? Well, I mean, the Giants have been kind of a surprise all season. Uh, when this year started, we all thought the Dodgers and the Padres were both going to make the playoffs. But I don't think anybody thought the Giants were going to be this good. Um, they've been a really pleasant surprise. Brandon Crawford, their shortstop, has been real. He's an all-star this season. He's been great. Um, they, they, they just their pitching staff is underrated and good. Uh, we've seen. Descalfani now win two games against the Nationals this season, the complete game shutout that I was at earlier this year, and now the game on Saturday. The Giants are for real. At this point, I think you have to, to say they are absolutely for real. Um, they proved it in this series. Like I said, I really feel like a lot of the momentum for the Nationals went out the window with that grand slam on Thursday. And just to go into San Francisco off that loss was just crippling. Uh, the only game of the series I honestly really watched closely was the Saturday game, and that wasn't even close. They got blown out early in that game. So, yeah, a disappointing series for the Nats. That's not how you want to end the first half of the season. 
Uh, and to fall into fourth place, like Arun said, we were literally just talking about them being a second-place team two weeks ago, and now they're back in fourth place. So it's frustrating for sure. Um, it's not how you want to end the first half, but we'll see how the, rest the, we'll see how the start of the second half goes. No doubt. What do you uh, take away from it, Arun? Uh, yeah, the, the Giants have been really good this season. They have, like, they secured the best record at the all-star break against the Nationals. Buster, pretty awful in this game, and I guess that momentum continued with the deer hitting uh, Phil Casale. He just came up for Buster Pulse. He hit a home run, and um, I guess the positive note is Starlin Castro. He has a 14-game hitting streak, so that's something to look forward to, although it doesn't seem the Nationals have been playing pretty well 14-game hitting streak, but we'll take what we can get. And Jan Gomes left with an injury, adding to the injured list. Of, but at least um, Strasburg, he pitched in a simulated game, so maybe he's going to come back soon. And hopefully, and Stevenson, he had a homer in minors, but he could come back as well. Okay, cool. I didn't know about the update about Strasburg, so that's good. Good to know. Uh, let's get ready to wrap up this uh, Nets talk, looking at the upcoming schedule. Uh, they get back to play on Friday. They have a three-game series versus the Padres here. After this one played the four games out in San Diego. Uh, Friday and Saturday are both 7.05 starts, and Sunday is a 105 start. Uh, Brian, didn't you say you had tickets to the game on Friday? I, yes, I am going to the Friday game. I'm very excited. Uh, I need to get to some NASCAR, games, man. You're starting to get me jealous. I gotta, I gotta figure something. Yeah, out. man. I'm trying to go as, to as many as possible this year to make up for last year. You know, not going to any baseball last year hurt. So I'm trying to go to as many games as possible this year. I definitely understand. Uh, what do you think in this series uh, coming out of the break? Do you think the Nats can win two out of three versus the Padres and try to get back in the winning ways, shake off that uh, reliever uh, grand slam? Yeah, they're gonna have to at least win two out of three. Uh, coming out of the all-star break in the series against a tough Padres team. Uh, it won't be easy, but uh, I, I think they'll win two out of three. We'll see how the pitching staff lines up. I don't think they've announced it quite yet. I know Scherzer's starting tomorrow in the all-star game, so I'm not sure when he's going to pitch at next after the all-star break. Uh, but we'll see how the pitching matchup goes. I'm really excited to go to the game on Friday because – uh, I love Fernando Tatis from the Padres. I just think he's an incredible player. I think he's an electric factory. He just makes – he's just he's incredible. He, he and Soto and Acuna and guys like that, Otani, are, are just good for the game, and I love watching them. So I'm excited to watch Tatis play, and uh, it should be a good series. Definitely, definitely. It was definitely entertaining when they was in San Diego. Can't wait to see what it looked like. He- they are a very entertaining team, the Padres. I got to say that. Definitely. They were. I was up watching those league games, and they were entertaining. Uh, yes. Rune, what do you take about this three-game series? you think the Nats can take two out of three from the Padres at home? Yeah, I think the Nationals can do it. They're a much better team at home. Like earlier this season, they split with the Giants, and just recently they were swept by the Giants on the road. I think they can maybe take two out of three, and if they're lucky, they I mean, if things all go well, they could potentially sweep the Padres, and I think even if they don't do well, the schedule after that gets pretty easy during the play the Marlins and then the Orioles, so I think it's time for the Nats to get some wins coming out of the All-Star break before the schedule passes up. 
definitely. A uh, quick look at the uh, standings before we uh, get in the NHL, real quick before we get into basketball, because the NHL segment is going to be real quick. Uh, the Mets are 47 and 40 in first place. The Phillies are 44 and 44. Second place, the Braves are 44 and 45 in third place, and the Nets are 42 and 47 in fourth place. And the Marlins are 39 and 50 in last place. So Phillies are six and a half out, the Braves are seven, and the Nationals are nine, and the Marlins are 12 games out of first place. So it's still a close division, still plenty of baseball left, and Nets have plenty of time to try to win that division crown and make the playoffs because, as I just mentioned, you know, there looks like there's going to be three teams coming out of the West. So got to win the division or you're not making the playoffs. All right, uh, anyone have any final thoughts on baseball or what's going on in the home run derby? Uh, Trevor Story is up right now. It's Story versus Mancini and Soto versus Alonzo going to the championship round. Uh, Story has seven right now with 50 seconds left. In his time, he just took a quick break. Uh, any final thoughts by you guys? I don't even want to get into the Yankees. I could, but it would just be way too much. It would be way too long and way too much ranting. So we'll just move on. Yeah, you want me to talk even. about the Yankees? No, I do not. <laughs> uh, a pretty incredible percentage to do that Altuve toss, that Altuve hit home run. I mean, that was, I mean, it was like that minor league moment for you. Hey, where was his bad tattoo? Where was his, so he was, apparently he didn't want to take his jersey off in 2019 because he had a bad tattoo. He had no problem taking his jersey off yesterday. <laughs> maybe he has like spider tech on his. Maybe, who knows, maybe. <laughs> but I guess he gets, gets it done. It was a pretty incredible moment, just like that Giants game was for you. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, bro. <laughs> A rune always stirring the pot as always. <laughs> All right, we're going to do a quick transition into the NHL segment. Uh, as you all know by now, Tampa Bay has won the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row, defeated Montreal four games to one. First game of the series was a 5-1 win by the Lightning. Second game was a 3-1 win by the Lightning. The third game was a 6-3 win by the Lightning. And in game four, Montreal forced overtime away but to win and Salvage did not get swept. Win that game 3-2 and then in dramatic fashion, Tampa Bay shut out Montreal for a 1-0 win to win on home ice and to win their second consecutive Stanley Cup. Uh, first time since, what, uh, Chicago? Uh, no, the Penguins went back-to-back in, what, 17 or 16, 17? Yeah, I think it's since Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I kind of feel the same way when Pittsburgh went back-to-back. I could really give a damn. But, uh, Ryan, what did you take away from uh, Tampa Bay going back-to-back, first with the pandemic season and the bubble, and this year with the condensed season? I'm not going to put an asterisk by, you know, they won. You know, they boom, 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 they're the champion. But what did you uh, take away from Tampa winning back-to-back and the way they uh, pretty much dominated Montreal, who had got hot at the right time? Yeah, I mean, it's no secret I've, I've been down on hockey lately, but uh, I thought I've been impressed with Tampa Bay these last two years. These have not – I mean, these are two of the hardest years to possibly win the Stanley Cup to go through what they went through. And, um, I mean, last year with the bubble and now this year with condensed season, it's impressive what they've done. 
Uh, shout out to Tampa Bay. Now they've got the Super Bowl and two Stanley Cups all in less than a year. That's very impressive. But not many cities can say that. Um, I really, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the Islanders lightning series, but I really felt like that was the actual Stanley cup finals. Like whoever won that series was going to win the Stanley cup finals. I didn't think Montreal was really going to compete too strongly. I mean, they went down three Oh, they won the game four in overtime to make a game five, but really never really felt like it was in doubt. Tampa Bay was clearly the better team. And they deserve they deserve the Stanley Cup. And shout out to Ryan McDonough, former Ranger. Now he's got two Stanley Cups. Happy for him. Pretty much, pretty much, Arun. What is your take on Tampa Bay and uh, their back-to-back championships? Yeah, I'm wondering how good those Blue Jackets were that eliminated them in 2019, but now they're back-to-back. And since Tom Brady's been there, they've won three championships in Tampa Bay, so he's won 15 championships have happened when Brady's in that city in the last 21 years. So that's incredible. So Vitelli, he was great. Bishop is your backup. That's, I don't know. The Lightning were a pretty deep team, and we'll see if the Caps can hopefully beat them next year. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting for the Capitals uh, next season with the expansion draft and, you know, trying to get better because after that championship run, they haven't got out the first round. So it's going to be very interesting off season. And, uh, you know, I want to see another championship parade for OV retire. So hopefully we can get that to happen. They can see that in the near future. And all we can do is hope to see that trophy again. Because like I said before, I'm jealous seeing the picture that Robbie has with the cup, and I didn't get a chance to get a picture with the cup that year. I'm so upset. I gotta make that happen. But um, that's pretty much our hockey coverage. I'm about to let these guys break down the NBA. I'm about to get off cam and let these guys, you know, rock and roll. Is uh Tim was Tim going to join us or is it going to be? Uh, YouTube? Tim said he's going to go to bed, but um, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, step back. I'm about to switch the feed. All right, so uh, we're ruined. Um, let's, let's break down um, the first three games of this NBA Finals. Um, it's game one. The Suns won pretty easily. Actually, I'm going to pull up the box score now on my phone quickly before we get into it, really. But I, game one, games one and two, really, I thought were never really in doubt. Suns won them pretty easily uh, on their home court in, C- in Phoenix. That kind of had us thinking – that this would be a short series. Uh, the first game, the Suns won 118 to 108. It was honestly, I did not think as close as the final scoreline indicated. Just looking at the box score, um, Devin Booker uh, had 31 points for the Suns in that game. Giannis had 42 for the Bucks. Uh, everyone contributed for the Suns uh, in this game. Uh, Chris Paul had 23 points. Uh, your boy Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, had 27 points as well. Um, DeAndre Ayton had 10 points and 11 rebounds. A great effort from the Suns in game one. Uh, they go up 1-0. Game two, or actually, that was, I'm sorry. I, I, that, was I, two, yeah. that was game two. I, I, it wouldn't, I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. But anyway, the Suns won game one. That was game two. Let's get into game three. Um, the game three, the Bucks won 120 to 100. Um, they won it pretty easily on their home floor. The Milwaukee crowd was into it uh, from the start. 
Giannis had another 40-point game. He joins the very exclusive list of guys to have back-to-back 40-point games in the NBA Finals. Uh, the Bucks absolutely needed to win this game to win the series, and they did. Um, I, I thought one thing that was kind of noticeable, two things really from this game. One, now Chris Paul is 0-12 in playoff games that Scott Foster referees, uh, which I think is interesting. I think it's a coincidence, but it's definitely it's something to know. And also in this game, um, Giannis shot 17 free throws on his own. He made most of them, which is unexpected. He's usually not great from the line. He made most of his free throws in this game. But the Suns, as a team, only shot 16 free throws, which is a crazy disparity. It felt like the Bucs were getting to the line way more than the Suns were in this game. Uh, So, yeah, that's the series up to this point. It's 2-1 Suns. Game four is Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Arun, what have your thoughts been on the series so far? Yeah, overall, the the games haven't been that close, but the series is still far from over. The bridges exploded on the second game. I think pretty much everyone played well in game two, except for DeAndre Ayton. He only had, I believe, like 11 or 12 points or something. He had, yeah, he had 11 points, 10 rebounds. Yeah, but he came out pretty uh, well in this game three. Um he got in foul trouble, and after that third quarter, they were down already by 14. And somehow the Suns were able to close it to, I believe it was like five. Then the Kaminsky minutes eventually caught up, and they were blown out in that quarter. The, the Bucks went on an incredible run. Giannis, he had 41 points. I saw somebody say, the opposite composed combined 41 points. <laughs> um, Drew Holiday was played well, like Chris Middleton. Like, I believe Drew Holiday had more points in game three than he did for the rest of the series. He played plus 22. It was just, like, not really that close in the fourth quarter when Aiden foul trouble. I mean, the Foster thing doesn't look great. He said, I believe the curse started in game seven when the I believe they were the Pelicans or Hornets or whatever. I don't remember. New Orleans Hornets. <laughs> Game seven against the Spurs, Scott Foster said, you guys are going to lose this game. That was like the urban legend behind the 0-12 club. But <clears throat> I think the Bucks were probably going to win this game, but it's a lot of other coincidences like free throw disparity and Aiden getting in foul trouble. But I wasn't really thinking about the Scott Foster thing throughout this game. But I knew about it. So hopefully yeah. that changes a little bit in Chris Paul's favor going forward. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't really thinking about it a whole lot, honestly, until I saw it, like, online. Uh, It it is something, I think, to keep note for sure. Um, It's just crazy that you could have that somebody as great as Chris Paul could have that type of record when one man is officiating his game. I I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Um, Just looking at the box score again here, um, I mean – what more can we say about Giannis? I mean, he, we didn't even think he would play in this series. Uh, I mean, he was questionable right up until basically the start of game one. And here he is, not only playing, he's kicking ass. Like, he's doing great. Uh, he scored back-to-back 40-point games. He's incredible. I just don't know, Arun, if the Bucks have the, as much depth and talent. I mean, Saric going down in game one was a huge loss for the Suns, I feel. Frank Kaminsky is not nearly as good as Dario Saric. It's not even close. Um, but that's a big loss. But even then, I still think the talent on the Suns will ultimately win out. Um, 
what are your thoughts going into game four? Do you think the Bucks will even this up, or do you think we're heading towards you know, the 3-1 Suns lead? Um, it's hard to say because, I mean, the Bucks are clearly a different team at home. Yeah. Like Holiday and Mills, and they, I mean, against the, against the Nets, they did pretty well at home. They did lose to the Hawks at home in game one when Trey Young was on fire, but other than that, they've been stopping on people even when Giannis out of the lineup. Um, I don't know. I think I still have the Suns winning the series. Um, Brandon Jennings is calling Bucks and Six. Like, <laughs> I saw that again. <laughs> uh, just, I think Bridges will adjust. He's like, done a good job on Middleton. Holiday, I don't know if he can keep it up like going forward. And Booker was pretty bad in game three, and I think he bounces back game four. And it's if I had to guess, I think the Suns win game four, but, I mean, Milwaukee is a good team, so we never know. I, I agree that um, Milwaukee has a great home court advantage. Their fans are really into it, um, which is, is great to see. Even the fans outside, what they call the Deer District, I think is really cool um, in Milwaukee. But I agree with you. I think the Suns are actually going to win um, – Win game four and make and go up three one. Uh, I, I I'm dying for a close game in this series, really, because um, the series. You're right, you know it's two one, but we haven't really had a close, good game yet from start to finish. Like every time you think the game's gonna get close, Milwaukee kind of like, or the game on at least the game yesterday, Milwaukee kind of pulled away at moments, and just every time you thought it was gonna get close. I don't know. I'm looking for a good game in the series. Usually game four is the pivotal, really close game in the series. So we will see. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, as far as other end, well, first off, before we get to other NBA news, shout out to Trey Mancini. He just advanced in the home run derby. So he's in the final. Um, shout out to Trey Mancini as well. So Beltway represent. Um, as far as other NBA news goes, um, what has there been on the Wizards head coaching hire? Because I know Wes Unsell Jr. has has been rumored for a while. We've talked about Sam Cassell. I've seen a few other names. Who is the most recent name to you, Ferdarun? Um Norred, assistant coach, Wes Unsell Jr. But yeah, the I believe a couple of candidates that the Wizards were interviewing, like Mosley, he was interviewing for the Wizards, but he was hired by Orlando. The Pope, yeah. they just hired a head coach. Uh, so the Wizards... Sun's assistant, I think, actually. Yeah, the Wizards are going to be the, I believe, the last team to fill the vacancy. Uh, they, in the, somebody had said that Jay Wright was Tommy Shepard's first choice, but that was way long ago, and even that reporter said there's no way the Wizards are getting Jay Wright, so <laughs> all signs are kind of pointing towards Wes Unsell Jr. Maybe they go in a different direction with Norad because he's um, was an assistant coach for, um, I believe, Brad Stevens. He played under Brad Stevens at Butler, and he's only 33, so that would be weird that he would be younger than um, Russell Westbrook, but maybe they go the Sean McVay route, like hiring a young <laughs> head coach. Uh, but I don't know. what. Maybe the Wizards are trying to hold out against somebody, but I, I guess like a lot of people don't like they like Wes Unsell because he's a great player, but he's also, like, his, I mean, his dad is a great player, but he's also a terrible GM. And seems a little bit like nepotism, getting <laughs> another, I mean, even his dad was a head coach of the Wizards, so 
between the both back in the day. So I'm not that excited about West Elmstone Jr., but then again, I don't Jr., but I don't know that much about him. Maybe he's a good coach with the Nuggets, but I don't really know what the Lizards are going to do. Probably West Elmstone Jr., but could be one of these. They've interviewed six other assistants, and it could be one of them. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think all signs are pointing to Wes Unsell Jr. Um, and even then, we don't really know. I mean, these assistants, they come and go uh, as head coaches. Some of them are great. Some of them, you know, are championship-winning assistants, you know, head coaches. And some of them just flame out in a couple of years. So it's tough to tell, but I think they will ultimately end up hiring Wes Unsell Jr. That seems to be the direction they're heading in. And just take it from there, see how it goes. Uh, one last basketball thing before we turn it back over to Carol. Uh, Team USA last night lost to Nigeria um, in an exhibition game. It's not the Olympics or anything. It's an exhibition game. Um, but, you know, Nigeria, I have to say, looks pretty good. Um, they actually beat Argentina today, who's the fourth-ranked team in the world. They blew them out. Uh, so Nigeria is looking good ahead of the Olympics. Do you think the loss yesterday is more of a, you know, what the hell U.S. or do you think that's Nigeria is actually a good team? Yeah, I watched that game and it was a combination of just Nigeria getting really hot from three. And I think uh, Team USA didn't really play, play that well defensively or connected. Um, Beal actually played pretty horribly offensively. He had two points. One of seven missed two free throws, but he was actually playing good defense. I think other guys, like, I think Lillard didn't really play well defensively, and I think Durant couldn't be bothered to play defense. Like, he was <laughs> like, this was not like a playoff game or anything. So it definitely felt like they didn't really have worked all in. I think Beal was actually, he was all in defensively, and they were actually, despite his poor. Uh, like shooting output, they were still plus six when he was on the floor. But for being there, like he didn't play well defensively. They're probably going to have to get. I think Middleton and Holiday would be their schedule to come and Devin Booker. So, I, is Chris Paul also joining the team? I forgot. No, I don't think CP3 is. But yeah. you're right. Uh, Booker, Middleton, and Holiday all are. Yeah. So those three will join the team, and they give they did give minutes to Sadiq Bay and. Um, Garland in the fourth quarter of that game. So I don't think U.S. making the game too seriously, but they had all their crunch time starters with seven minutes to go. When, and once you give a team like that momentum, and Precious Achua had an incredible block on Durant. And like, I think Nigeria has, he has like a couple guys that didn't even play like a Toro with the top six pick. And um, they, they could be a good team going forward, but I think the U.S probably extend the next round more worried about a team like France and I guess Lillard will have to play better defensively like going forward like in the international rules but I think the U.S. will probably still be the favorites in the Olympics. Yeah I agree uh, I mean even the dream team I mean there's a lot of debate about this as to whether they were actually trying or not they lost an exhibition to a bunch of college kids before the Olympics even started. Um, so it's, I mean, look, it happens. I wasn't, I was, I wasn't too mad, honestly, that we lost Nigeria, but it, you know, you want to see them going to the Olympics looking good. Uh, but I, I agree. Once they get Booker, Middleton, Holiday, 
things to, you know, they're definitely the best team in the world. They're, they always have the most talent. Uh, I agree, though, that I think the rest of the world is starting to catch up a little bit. Um, I know France has a good team for sure. Um, Slovenia made the Olympics behind Luka Doncic. Um, this is going to be an interesting Olympics, I think. I don't know if the U.S. is going to cruise to victory the way we normally do, but I still think we'll win the gold medal. Uh, I, I still think we'll, ultimately the U.S. will come out on top. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add on basketball before we turn it back over to Carol? Um, no, not really basketball, but the Nats actually just drafted Dusty Baker's son in the second day of the MLB. The Nats? The Nats did? Yeah. Oh, how about that? <laughs> Hopefully he does a better job for him than his dad did as the manager. Hey, hey, oh, hey, he did hey, get to the playoffs. Dusty he didn't get to the World man. Series or anything. Yeah, he didn't get to the World Series, but Dusty was still a quality manager. He's doing okay. Yeah, he yeah. probably don't like him now because he's in Houston too, so that's probably add too. Yeah, yeah. I've never been a huge Dusty Baker fan personally. I, I've said this before. He's got. He's just one of those guys. Just can't get to get you to the finish line. Like he get you close. Like, he's gotten teams close many times, but he's just never finished. And he's blown a lot of big leads, too, in playoff series as well. We saw it with the Nets. So, um, yeah, I, I've, ne- I've never been the biggest Dusty Baker fan, but I am glad the Nets drafted the Sun. No doubt. And uh, second round, Juan Soto has 11 home runs after regulation time. He earned an extra minute bonus. So uh, he's looking to. Try to add to that total because Alonzo put up 35 total home runs in the first round, and he is a defending champion. So Soto's definitely going to have to put a 20 spot up on his board. So hopefully he gets hot in the last minute of this uh, home run derby. <clears throat> and I guess we're going to get ready to wrap it up since you guys did a great job of breaking down the finals and getting ready for game four. And, uh, uh, Rune, how's the uh, podcast going? I haven't even had a chance to uh, check it out if you started already. How's everything going with the podcast and what you got going on? Uh, it's good. I put out a couple more episodes. Last episode was pretty short because I was I only did a wrap-up of game one of the NBA finals. That game was very exciting. So hopefully, I don't know, maybe I'll do more content. I did watch a lot of soccer, but I don't think, not sure if people want to hear me talk about soccer. Maybe... I'll talk more about the NBA Finals, and uh, we'll see maybe about this MLB draft. I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. They actually scheduled the MLB draft the same night as one of the games, the NBA Finals. I think they could do a better job marketing it, but it is what it is, and we have this commissioner who's not very good. I can dig it. Brian, what you uh, got going on with your podcast and everything? I know you're probably having some Yankees rants going on about that. <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, I took last week off. I don't know. I, I had a meeting early on Friday morning, and I was just like, I'm not going to rush on to record the podcast. I'm just going to take this week off. Uh, but I will be back this week. Uh, I might honestly drop a bonus episode tomorrow. Tomorrow's my day off, and um I kind of want to talk about the first half of the season for the Yankees, just the first half of the season, Major League Baseball in general. Um, so stay tuned for that. Otherwise, uh, stay tuned for Friday, uh, the episode I've got coming out there. Uh, I would actually like to very briefly talk about soccer. Um, yesterday was the Euro final. It went to penalties uh, between Italy and England. And um, 
it was a great, you know, it was ex- it was exciting. Um, unfortunately, you know, I was rooting for England, and unfortunately, they lost on penalties. But um, I just gotta say to the people who are giving uh, the three people who missed penalties for England, Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, and Bakuyo Saka, uh, racism. They're being racist towards them. Please stop. I mean, that is just awful. It's disgusting. I hate it. They don't deserve it. They are young kids who can't they missed the penalty kick that means you get to be a racist asshole about it i'm sorry i can't i have no tolerance for that at all and i think it should be stopped uh but other than that it was a great tournament and a great final uh, i'm bumped england lost and um yeah that's pretty much all i have to say thanks for having me on carol uh check out upon further review with brian brennan uh either the bonus episode tomorrow or whenever my regularly scheduled episode drops on friday and uh, come visit me in the spy store at the International Spy Museum. And uh, thanks for having me out, Carol. I appreciate it as always. Uh, make sure you guys tune in Thursday night for our Washington football team special. Myself and Dude Janae will be breaking down all the off-season moves of free agents and the draft picks. And we'll be doing the schedule breakdown show. So make sure you tune in Thursday night at 8 o'clock. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to go ahead and end the show with a couple of the highlights of the last two weeks is not many but uh, a couple of videos i put together when the nationals are playing well then you know as always when they the show with renegade 703 he'll be performing live down in miami for his second trip and he did a such a great job back in may they calling him down there again i was trying to get down there for the trip but unfortunately i'll be working trying to sell some cars so we'll play another renegade video and make sure you tune in next week for another great episode of Sports on the Hill podcast, bringing you the best DC sports coverage around. And appreciate y'all checking us out and tuning in and continue to follow us. DC sports about the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do.
Thank you.